Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the 179th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And a smash fade across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. I love the good smash fade concept. It's such a, such a beautiful concept, especially when you, when, you catch a, when you catch a team in one high, uh, especially cover one. It's it's almost automatic. It's almost like stealing. But uh, glad to be here, guys. Uh, it was a very good, slow uh, week of college football. And uh, as a little teaser, um, somebody on one of our teams ended up on the segment, You Got Mossed. Stay tuned to find out who it was. All right. Well, uh, we can't get started without the third amigo in the second city, a man who's not afraid to eat Chinese food for breakfast. It's our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, <laughs> Josh Cook. Uh, ironically, the lady and I had Chinese tonight. How was it? Uh, so we were running some errands and just got Panda to speed things along. So it was very, very greasy American orange chicken. So it was naturally delicious. Obviously. Never going to turn turn that down. All right. Well, we had a ton to get through this past weekend. We will start it off with some quick slants. So, Josh, what caught your eye this weekend? Yeah, two coaching uh, carousel notes. Uh, Colorado fired Mike McIntyre. This is the guy that's been coaching there uh, for about six seasons. He didn't quite make it through his sixth and final season, but he did take them to the Pac-12 title game a year ago, and and things were looking up a few seasons ago, but they just hadn't been doing very well in 2017 and 2018. But what really caught my eye was some of the stuff the athletic director said. He wants someone with head coaching experience, and this was his list. Former Oregon coach and Chicago Bears offensive coordinator, Mark Alfrich, so a guy who flamed out in college. Fresno State coach Jeff Tedford, who very good at Fresno, but let's be honest, he named out at a Pac-12 school. Uh, Boise coach Brian Harrison. Uh, I'm not sure that that's a great fit, considering um, they took another Boise State coach, Dan Haskins, and it went horribly, horribly wrong. And finally, Dana Holgerson, who has proven to be incapable of getting West Virginia over the hump. So... I'm I'm fine with them 
cutting McIntyre loose after six seasons. I was very underwhelmed by that list. And then the other coaching carousel thing that caught my eye was William and, uh, and Mary in the FCS. They hire former Virginia coach Mike London. Now, that doesn't sound too inspiring, but prior to the Virginia gig, this guy won a boatload of games at Richmond, including a national title. So I think all things considered, this is a great hire for William and Mary, who is replacing a legend. Their current coach has been there for like 30 years, and we'll talk more about him when we get to the FCS playoff preview later in But. Uh, just first impressions was what a good hire for William and Mary. All right, coach, uh, what had caught your eye this weekend? Well, um, Les Miles lo- losing his uh, um, 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 community involvement. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that caught my eye. Uh, other than the flub and the hold press. on, hold on, coach, you have to explain that for people who haven't seen what you're. Yeah, to. yeah, I'm, I'm about to. Um, so Les Miles, as we know, get gets hired at Kansas. Or if you don't know, this is breaking news. Les Miles is the new head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. So um, as he's sitting there uh, wearing his hat, um, as lightly on top of his head as he possibly can, as, as he as he does. Um, He's going through his press conference and just all of a sudden completely derails his train of thought. And he's sitting there and he just starts stuttering. He pauses. He's like. And he uh, pauses for like eight seconds. It is a very, very long pronounced pause. And it's awkward because he wants to say community. And he said community, I don't know, seven words ago from his pause. And it was one of those things where you're like, come on, coach, you know, yep, you know the word, yep, come on, community, community, say community, did the teleprompter go down, did did your jabroni in the back holding the cue cards, did he uh, he have to go take a leak or something, what what the heck is going on here, Uh, it was was extremely awkward, and it is made for... uh, great conversation uh, amongst the uh, the people on Twitter. So, um, but overall, I, I think it'll be a good hire. I think it'll be a positive hire for them. I mean, they're not, you know, they, they just want to get bowl eligible. And I, I think if he makes them bowl eligible three seasons in a row, they're going to build a statue of him. So um, the, the expectations aren't extremely high uh, for Les Miles, which is good because um, he'll need some time to get in there and recruit and just, kind of do the weird voodoo magic that he does. So Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. The he has an uphill battle in front of him, but and unfortunately for us, Josh, it uh makes it so your preseason prediction will no longer come true. So No, but I will get half points if for what some reason Burt Bielema goes to Kansas State. Yeah, we'll give you half credit for that one. As the person who grades everything on this podcast, it's, I believe it's within my rights to do so. Um, I'm going to be an only child here for a minute. Uh, both of my alma maters had pretty exciting wins this weekend, so I'm just going to talk about those two. So uh, we'll start with my undergrad institution, the Wisconsin Badgers, who went into Purdue and looked like absolute hot garbage for the first half. Uh, Coach, you can attest to that. I was sitting next yep. to you during the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, turned up the second half, though. They 
they were a different team. Eventually won 47-44 in overtime. Uh, it was a very pleasant way to spend the uh, afternoon of my 33rd birthday, uh, thanks to Coach and his wife, who hosted me and my wife for an afternoon of football and buffalo chicken dip, which is the proper way to celebrate. Um, basically, the story for this game, though, Jonathan Taylor, he had your usual ho-hum, 33 carries for 321 yards and three scores. Taylor opened the second half with an 80-yard touchdown, scored twice in overtime, and as well as the Badgers played on offense, though, and they had 545 total yards. Their defense was equally as bad. They gave up 386 and four scores through the air to David Blau. Nonetheless, a pretty darn exciting game. Uh, My second institution, the UCLA Bruins, came from behind to beat USC at the Rose Bowl on Saturday, uh, basically all on the back of Joshua Kelly, the junior tailback, who did his uh, uh, best Jonathan Taylor impression, carrying the ball 40 times for 289 yards and two touchdowns. Wilton Spate added another two scores. Bruins held USC to only three second-half points. Josh, you think this will be the beginning of the end for Clay Helton? I mean, I got to be honest. I think all three of us had it as the beginning of the end a few weeks ago. Um, what, you know, just look yeah. at the warning signs, relieving T. Martin of the play calling duties, not a good sign. Just the general lack of pop offensively. They've got so many athletes there at USC. And, I mean, let's be honest. They are, they are the Alabama of the Pac-12. They're the Ohio State of the Pac-12. You think Columbus, Tuscaloosa is sitting through what Clay Helton's done since that Rose Bowl? Uh, he's gone. No, not a chance. Uh, Coach, you think he's gone too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No chance. All right. Well, Josh, what have you got for your second slam? I got a four-game grab bag for you, just some things that caught my eye. I got to naturally start with my Hawkeyes. They won 63 nothing. Where has that been all year? But the reason this game caught my eye was worst loss in program history for Illinois. Uh, Lovey, this is several years into your rebuild. You should not be having a program worst loss this juncture of your rebuild uh next thing that caught my eye boston college you never want to say a game is over when a missed field goal makes it zero zero but boston college ended up losing by one and on the early in the game the florida state knolls they throw an interception it's returned to the 24 yard line so bc is almost in the red zone already. They even gained 12 yards on their drive, yet they miss a chip shot field goal and would lose by one. That is hard luck. Sorry, Boston College. The other thing that caught my eye was hard luck over in Arizona State. They lost by two points late in the game. Arizona State scores a touchdown to make it that two-point margin they would miss a two-point conversion to tie the game. But it, an Oregon interception would bail them out. It's picked off right about midfield, just on the plus side. So Arizona State, 46 yards away from Paydirt. But frankly, they're just looking to get into field goal territory. Three plays later, lost fumble, game over. Oregon runs out the clock hard, hard luck. Those are tough ways to lose. And then finally... Talk about how the mighty have fallen. Virginia Tech, you're four and six. They've scheduled a conditional game against Marshall. Basically, if Virginia Tech beats Virginia, 
And, oh, hey, uh, 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 yeah, we'll play Marshall for a 12th game to try and get to a 26th straight bowl. At some point, playing in the Crap Fest Bowl, also known as the Belk Bowl, for a 26th year is pointless. Now, this has been a terrible campaign all around. Virginia Tech has looked awful this year. And this is just a bad look. I don't know why Fuente's doing this. You can shine it up that the team needs more practice. Now, what the team needs is to be healthy and get some better recruits. This is just asinine, and it reeks of desperate. Yeah, I don't love that. And I don't know that they'll even beat Marshall necessarily. No, that would be hilarious if they beat Virginia, schedule this game, and then lose to Marshall. I I wouldn't put it past um, Doc Holliday and his crew. No, and I mean, for Marshall, they're already, you know, Marshall's got seven wins already. Mm -hmm. They can't make the title game of the conference, most likely, because all the tiebreakers were going against them. But they could improve their whole position and stuff. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. Anyhow, uh, Coach, uh, anything else on your mind from this weekend? Well, um, we almost got a, SEC, a weak SEC title or a weak SEC slate, I should say, that, that got interesting. Um, uh, for, first things first, I want to kind of get rid of the uh, conference versus conference games. Um, there was, uh, let's see, there was one, two, three. Um, one of them was a, two of them were extreme blowouts and one of them was a good close game. Vanderbilt, uh, a much needed win, um, against Ole Miss. Ole Miss just dreadful. Um, but they had a chance at the end and Tiamat. No, that was, was a fun, that was a fun one. Actually. It was, it was, it was a fun it was a fun game between two uh, mediocre SEC teams. Sorry, Ashley and Lauren. Um, and, and, Meg. Uh, and Meg, let's face and it. And Meg. Uh, but the, the, the one game I wanted to highlight uh, was the 230 CBS game. A huge recruiting weekend for the Vols. They're all excited. They, they have a lot of momentum now. They, they just, they're coming off a, uh, a, a big win against their rival Kentucky. And uh, Nolan Smith, number one player in the country, is in attendance. You know, all these recruits are here. And they got sat down. They, Mizzou said, go sit in the corner. Uh, it was Dooley's revenge. A uh, few things. Jared Guarantano, he got it. He was injured. Kellen Crist was really bad. Um, there was three turnovers in the game for Tennessee. Two of them resulted in uh, touchdowns. One was a pick six. The other was a scoop and score. Uh, tackling was, was horrendous. And Drew Locke was, let's just say he was Drew Locke. And he was, uh, he was extremely sharp, 21 yeah, of 30. Was... Uh, not, a, not a ton of yards, um, but he was efficient. And he, he, uh, he threw for two touchdowns. And then, of course, uh, Larry Roundtree rushed for 135 and, and a score. And then the defense pitched in as well. So, it was just a, a horrendous game for if you're a Tennessee fan. It was a good get back on track game for Missouri, who's now seven and four. Uh, they're almost 500 in the conference, and so that was a fun one. Uh, Alabama, 
if you looked at halftime, they were tied 10 to 10 um, with the Citadel. And you're sitting there going, well, um, they're going to wake up, right? Uh, they're, they did. They're, they're, they're going to wake up, right? Well, here's what woke them up. They, Bama fumbles the opening series of the second half after Saban probably chewed their you-know-what. And uh, so Citadel has a chance uh, to make the go-ahead field goal. They're down there in scoring range. Uh, they, they, they kick the field goal. It's good. Oh, wait. There's a flag. Penalty. False start. Uh then the kicker misses, and then the route is on. And then Bama scored, I think, 21 points within a minute of game clock, and then scored ended up being 50 to 17. Uh, also, we were—I was watching on my iPad uh, because his birthday boy. Hold on. And- can I just can, can I just interject there for a second? Sure. Um, Citadel scored as many points as Mississippi State, LSU, Missouri, and Ole Miss combined against Alabama. Beautiful. And they trolled them. They trolled LSU. Oh, their, their Twitter they, game is rock solid. They said, see, it's not that hard. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Uh, so another thing that caught my eye as uh, we were as we were watching Wisconsin-Purdue. Um, happy birthday, Matt. Um, it's a great present. I was watching UMass Georgia on my iPad and noticed that Georgia finally lets Justin Fields throw in the public eye. He didn't disappoint. He uh, not only did he have seven carries for 100 yards and a touchdown, um, he was also uh, electric through the air. Uh, Justin Fields was five of eight for 121 and two touchdowns. Uh, one was an absolute pellet um, as he was getting hit. That that one made me jump out off the couch when I saw it because he was mid air and uncorked a laser. Yes. Like, I don't know how someone who has, you know, nothing to plant on, just pure shoulder, arm, back muscles, and throws it with that sort of velocity and that sort of accuracy is uncanny. And then... And now, I I don't know how much of that is talent how much of that is luck, but, I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it had to be a little bit of both, but... um, And then uh, the other one was an absolute dime of about... What fifty-five yards to meet mm-hmm. Cole Hartman? Um, oh yeah, and it just it was just stellar. And then you know you see that, and Jake Fromm was five of five for one hundred and six and a touchdown. He threw probably one of the best. Uh, we call it a hole shot, where uh, you kind of throw it in that fifteen-yard range between the corner and the safety when they play cover two, because the corner's up tight and the safety can't get over. So he just fires a he just fires a rope to the to the sideline and. Tyler Simmons caught it, broke a couple of tackles, and went and scored. So, you know, it's not like Jake Fromm was terrible and Justin Fields lit it up. It was – they both lit it up. I mean, granted, it's UMass, so you got to take that with a grain of salt. But, I mean, it was, it was impressive nonetheless um, to see what Jake Fromm – or to see what Jake Fromm did and also to see what Justin Fields did. I mean, I was happy to see Fields actually get some meaningful playing time. Uh, Kirby just kind of let him – let him go after the Miko t- touchdown. He kind of just let him, let him rock and roll. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think you're going to see some interesting stuff down the stretch with uh, with how they use Fields and and Fromm. And they might just let Fields do his thing. 
So uh, that'd be I'm fun. Excited. That that'd be that fun. Be. That that would really open up the offense. Okay, uh, I'm quickly going to get through my second slant, which is uh, sort of a I guess I'll say a progress report, if not a full report card for all of the first year head coaches, or I should say the new head coaches. Um, so uh, I will start with uh, two, three coaches I gave the A range to. Um, I think the biggest home run of the year, frankly, has been hiring Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern from being the interim to being the full-time head coach. Uh, he's eight and three. They beat App State handily. Their, own, their only loss that was a bad loss, you can say, is UL Monroe. But aside from that, man, that Georgia Southern team looks great. Uh, I gave an A- minus to both uh, Chip Kelly and uh, Jimbo Fisher for different reasons. Uh, UCLA started awful, but they just beat SC this weekend, like I said. And they are moving in the right direction, even if they're not getting much from their quarterback play. That running game is starting to look like some of those earlier Oregon teams that you remember just started putting up some really big points. Um also gave an A minus to Jimbo Fisher. Um, they're seven and four, um, but they beat a Kentucky team that we know to be pretty good. They hung with Clemson, and I mean they look better against Clemson than anyone else has to this point. Um, however, they did lose to Mississippi State and Auburn. I think that uh, you know they've had more attrition this year than most teams. I feel pretty good about that program going forward. Um, in the Bs. Uh, Dan Mullen at Florida and uh, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee have both been up and down. I gave a B to uh, Mullen and a B minus, but it might move to a C plus with that performance they had this weekend for Pruitt. Um, uh, Nebraska gets a B plus for Scott Frost. Uh, they're up to four and seven after starting zero and six. Still no defense, but well, they showed a little bit. But I think that's more a function of Michigan State's lack of offense this past weekend. Um, Arizona State, the ret- early returns on Herm Fish, I'm sorry, Herm Edwards, much better than expected. They're six and five, still I think technically in the hunt in the Pac-12. You wanted, South. You wanted to say Herm Fisher because that's a very Jim Fisher-esque overall record they have right now. Yeah, pretty much. Shooting for six and six, they'll probably get there, then they'll probably lose their ball. Sounds about right. Um, yeah, and Matt Luke at Ole Miss, um, their only conference win Yikes. is Arkansas. But I still think who's that? Uh, <laughs> uh, I still think that play, play football in Arkansas. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that might have been a miss, uh, a typo on my part. I think it actually uh, reads. Um, oh, you said you must have meant Pine Bluff. Okay. You, okay. You yeah. So sorry. I, yes, Arkansas Pine Bluff. My Pine bad, Bluff. guys. Um, and. Jim Moorhead. I know some of the some people are. It's a little bit mixed with him, but they're finding ways to get it done. They beat that Texas A and M team that I like. Uh, C minus. Um, uh, yeah, C minus for South Alabama and Kent State. I think it's just. I, I should. I should say those two as well as uh, are getting incompletes. Mike Bloomgren Rice uh, not off to a good start. Dana Dimmel is one in ten at UTEP. Uh, again, those are two of the tougher programs to play at in, uh, in, in the country. So those guys need to bring up their grades. But overall, I think uh, some of these have really surprised me. Josh, has anyone stood out to you? I guess the thing that stood out to me is giving Chip Kelly an A-. minus. I know they're playing a little better and their running game is looking a little better, but it's a, it's a full season. They came out like dog crap. <laughs> That's going to count for something. You know, when we do the – when we do the pop quiz and coach and I missed the first six questions combined, 
you then don't say nice stuff to us. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but then I also uh, you tend to adjust the terms on which I'm grading you. <laughs> and so I'm adjusting. You have to give us a, a huge curve. Listen, I like the way that UCLA is playing right now. I like the way that this team looks. I like the way that, you know, I like the direction it's moving in. They had a lot of personnel issues to begin the season. That's a function of both the last regime before him and the well, fact then that... Then you can't it, be so harsh on Jeremy Pruitt because... I'm not. I, ga- I gave him a B-. minus. You said it might be a C-plus after the performance. We yeah. knew this year would be a freaking roller coaster. Okay, okay, you know what? Okay. If he gets Maybe. into a bowl, that's an A, dude. I've got, okay, you know what? If he gets I've, got, that I've, got blue and cold, I've got blue and gold tinted glasses on. So that's true. Okay. All right. Okay. You need to be more like us. Irrationally hate everything that Georgia and Iowa do, regardless. Yes. I'm. <laughs> Well, with the show now completely off the rails, let's uh, go through our spread formations recap uh, where I get to stomp on you guys. Got, I'm, up to, I'm up to now 500 on the season after going 5-0 and this weekend. You guys both went 3-2, and not bad, um, but uh, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, so we all had uh, Nebraska as uh, – two-point dogs at home. They won outright over Michigan State. We all were on pit minus seven. They blew out Wake Forest. Coach and I had Washington State minus ten and a half at home. They blew out Arizona. Uh, Josh and I both had Rutgers covering the Penn State game, which was surprisingly close. And I had Oklahoma and they kept it interesting with, uh, sorry, I had Kansas keeping it interesting over Oklahoma. And uh, I said on the show, Puka Williams Jr. was, uh, you know, I don't think they could stop him and they didn't. So, anyway, Coach, on the year, you're now 27, 37, and 1. Josh, 22, 42, and 1. Love it. All right. Pop quiz time. Number two pencils out. Scantron's ready. Here's where the show gets off the rails. All right. This past week. Can I get one right before I strike out, though? This time, I think you will. Um, this past weekend, Wisconsin rushed for 385 yards as a team, making this the 25th time in the past decade that they have rushed for at least 350 yards. That's as a team. There are 17 other teams in the same time period that have rushed for 350 yards at least 10 times. Name them. So, uh, Coach, I will start with you. Okay, um, it's clean old-fashioned hate week, but uh, that brings us to answer number one, Ramblin' Wreck. Uh, they are done it the second most times, uh, 44 in the time span. Josh. Yeah, I mean, this is just a trivia question on can we name the triple option teams? So. Basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun <laughs> way to get that. So, Navy. They're number one. They've done it 53 times. See where else has Paul Johnson been? Um, well, they, they weren't uh, they weren't F- FBS yet, so Georgia Southern does not count. Uh, um, Coach, that is Army. where you. What Army? Army is correct. Uh, they've done it thirty-four times. Huh? I said Army. He said Army, oh. and he was correct. Oh, I was very confused. I thought you were telling him that Georgia Southern was right. I was trying to tell him that Georgia Southern was right, but well, he kept I, going. 
Well, then, in the honor of Arrested Development, that was a freebie. I'll take Georgia Southern. All right. Georgia Southern has done it 17 times in the past five seasons since they became an FBS team. All right. Uh, I was right, and I didn't know it. Um, Okay. Uh, So we've said Army, Navy, Georgia Tech. Ah, screw it. Let's go Air Force. You know it. They're number three with 41. Yeah, uh, they led the entire country in rushing a couple seasons ago, believe it or not. But they are also a tri- triple option team that Bob Davy coached. Not for how much longer is do we know, but New Mexico Lobos. Yep, they've done it. Uh, same as Wisconsin, 25 times. Ooh, okay. Um, well, uh, UGA is running back you, so I'm sure we've done it quite a few times. So how about them dogs? Uh, coach, I'm sorry. They've only done it five times. Hmm. Huh. And right. it, is a, it is a big number to reach. This is a big number to reach. I am – so this decade, we're going back to 2008, right? Correct. So not a triple option team, but an explosive running team – not as much lately, but you talked at length about Chip Kelly, so I'm going to go with Oregon. That is correct. They've done it 26 times. Damn. Okay. Um, speaking of Oregon uh, and Nike and the Pac-12, I'm going to say Stanford. Ooh, I like that one. Uh, Stanford, no, they've only done it five times, same as your dog. So that is your second strike. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and <laughs> Josh, damn curveballs. All right. Well, we've uh, kind of tapped out of the triple option and, and teams that come to mind immediately. Uh, so I'm going to go with a little bit of an oddball. We know them for passing, but they have an amazing offense. I'm going to say every now and then, Oklahoma has snuck in a monster running game in the last decade. Uh, they've done only, they have, but only six times. So. Oh, okay. Well, you only needed one a year, so I was kind of thinking they could maybe average one a no, year. No, I don't, I don't hate that guess. I don't hate that guess. That puts them tied for 31st. Oh. <sighs> All right, I'm trying to think of all the uh, possible ground-and-pound G5 teams, but I can't think of any that we haven't already named. So I'm going to go back to Alabama. uh, Okay, Uh, I was going to say, okay, Uh, Alabama uh, has only done it seven times. Hmm. Coach, you have struck out, Josh. Anyone else you got? Um... I know App State runs it a ton. Yep, ten times. And then after them, I, I'm drawing a blank. I don't know who else I would try and. Uh, you guys got the top LSU, uh, maybe Leonard Fournette. Yep, LSU is correct. They've done it ten times. Oh, I'm gonna say LSU. Um, uh, other teams you missed uh, twenty-two times: Nevada, uh, Northern Northern Illinois, Auburn, mm. Arizona. This is the most surprising one: Baylor. Uh, Ohio State. Oh, I, I I should have guessed Ohio State. That uh, makes sense. Tulsa. 
and South Florida. Yeah, no. Yeah. So to me, the most interesting one is Nevada because when I think of Nevada, I think of that awesome pistol offense mm-hmm. and and having a little bit more of a passing fundamental. What kind of a West Coast attack? That's fascinating about Nevada. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, they they just put up a ton of yards in general. And while they were they were pass first, they ran enough. And especially those Kaepernick teams, they had a couple good running backs too. And so they were, you know, typically, you know, Kaepernick would run for, you know, 125, and the running backs would combine for 225, that kind of thing. So, but, yeah, all right. Well, let's move on then to our deep roots from the weekend. We will start with – um, the game with the ugliest uniforms, uh, where Notre Dame beat Syracuse in Yankee Stadium. Uh, Josh, I don't know what was worse, uh, Notre Dame's uniforms or Syracuse's offense. Yeah, I mean, you, you just can't lose your starting quarterback. We saw the same thing happen. I mean, and you weren't going to get the same DeVito magic that you got earlier in the year. This no, and I mean, I talked about it when people thought DeVito should start. His numbers were not even sniffing. Eric Dodgy. So it's the same thing that happened at BC a few weeks ago with Clemson uh, losing their starting quarterback early in the game. You, you know, every now and then you get some magic with a backup, but that's usually maybe late in the game. You just call on them to, to get you over the hump in an upset. You can't ask the backup to play all 60 minutes, which is essentially what Syracuse needed out of DeVito. It made them too one-dimensional and uh, it's just it's just a shame for Syracuse's upset bid but still a wonderful season for Dino Babers the foundations there that program's on the uptick so it it stinks but let's not lose sleep over it coach I mean I I agree it was just it, it was a bad situation um when they lost Dungy and it just went it just all went downhill and you know, Notre Dame smelt blood in the water, and they they made plays. You know, yeah, I, um, I, I think we've talked a lot about Ian Book, but Notre Dame's defense this season is probably the strength of that team. Yeah, I mean, there, there was a play that comes to mind in particular uh, where you know you're starting to kind of see, uh, you know, alluding to what you you said in the, the open of the show. I'm a I'm a slot slot fade. Uh, across the harpeth well smash fade, maybe. Smash, smash fade slot fade smash fade either one um and syracuse tried to run the the smash fade and what the safety did uh was he he did a little fake roll like he was like they were rolling like they're rolling to cover three and he was rolling to the middle of the field except he went one two three uh baseball turned and then went and robbed the slot fade and baited uh, Danny DeVito to uh, to throw that ball, and he picked it off. And I thought that was a freaking brilliant defensive play uh, from that safety. That That's what stood out to me most from that game, oddly enough, but um, – no, I think I think that that was sort of a microcosm of the entire game, though. Like every time it felt like yeah. Syracuse started to get any momentum, they made a dumb play, shot themselves in the foot, or just couldn't get over the hump. Um, let's move on then to uh, Big Twelve. 
Uh, our first game we're going to talk about from that conference, Oklahoma State uh, beating West Virginia. Uh, Coach, you and I had this one on in the background a little bit while we were watching uh, Wisconsin. Uh, what did you uh, What did you take away from this one? Well, uh, I mean, <laughs> West Virginia was was up pretty much all game. I mean, granted, they didn't have any sort of sizable lead, but you know, they were you know they were looking like they were starting to gain control of the game, and then every time they did, uh, Taylor Cornelius. Uh, was throwing the ball to Tylen Wallace, uh, and Oklahoma State just kept hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And when you let a home team hang around like that with playmakers like they have, it, it, you're going to get burned. And that's what happened. And so, uh, I mean, it was at one point it was 31 to 14 at half uh, with uh, – the, the lead and it looked like at that point it looked like they had finally seized the control and and then you know they never really had it so um there's a major opportunity for West Virginia they could have been they could have been uh in really good position I don't want to say driver's seat but you know they've had the momentum up until now uh in the conference and I feel like they could have made a, a pretty good run at Oklahoma um and so it, it's you know Whatever. Um, it was a great game, though. It was fun to watch. Uh, and Taylor Cornelius, say what you want. That dude can ball. Tylen Wallace, he makes some money. Tylen Wallace is a, a just another one, the next in line of the great Oklahoma State wide receivers. I and mean, we saw it with uh, James Washington, you know, uh, just a bunch of guys who's come in there and just been able to put up some ridiculous numbers by running really precise routes and being able to accelerate really fast after the catch. And he's just, he's the next one in that line. He's fantastic. But Josh, I know you were not surprised at all that Dana Holgerson choked this one away. No, I mean, you look at West Virginia's defensive numbers overall in the season, it's really good. But then if you pull out games against either good offensive teams like Texas Tech before injuries derailed their season or Iowa State or Texas, their points were going up and up and up in games like that. So Oklahoma State, very, very competent offensive team. But I got to wonder, you know, why was this game so close Oklahoma State dominated uh, over 600 yards of offense, 7.3 yards per pass, uh, 6.2 per rush. If Okie State doesn't have four giveaways and loses the turnover battle, negative three, they're blowing West Virginia out. Yeah, they they should. I'm not really, uh, frankly, not entirely certain what happened. Uh, but, you know, a win's a win at this point. And the, uh, you know, the Big 12 week in and week out is one of the strangest conferences. So let's just jump to this other Big 12 game we're going to talk about. Uh, Texas beats Iowa State, which, if I'm not mistaken, sets up a Oklahoma-Texas rematch in the title game. Josh, is that correct? Uh, I'd have to run the numbers. Uh, West Virginia is still sniffing around. West Virginia finishes with Oklahoma, so if they win that game, then throw everything out the window. It, it, there's still a lot of lot of scenarios, but Texas is definitely in a great shape for the rematch. All right. Um, well, because post- because West Virginia has tiebreaker scenario issues to Iowa State, mm-hmm. and it will, will potentially have a tiebreaker scenario to Oklahoma. So, yeah. 
Well, uh, speaking of this game, Coach, uh, you know, I think we all, we all kind of expected Iowa State to win. So what did Texas do that uh, made, made it happen? Defense, dude. They, they freaking smothered Iowa State. They were just all over them. They didn't, they didn't give uh, Purdy any time to, to, to throw. Uh, Iowa State was dreadfully one-dimensional, especially in the first half with, without David Montgomery. That suspension proved costly, extremely costly uh, for the Cyclones. Um, they just. You know, they had this was a big game pressure type deal and you know, biggest game of their program within the last fifteen years and they melted. Uh they just they looked like they didn't belong. And it's just one of those things where they just you look at them and you know, they just had that that look in their eye. And and, and you've seen that look. Everyone's mm-hmm. seen that look at some point where you're just overwhelmed and they were just overwhelmed. Uh, and then uh, Ellinger was, uh, was good in the, uh, in the first half. He gets injured. Shane Bouchelle comes in uh, after halftime. He leads, um, he leads this Longhorn offense. They, they get a touchdown pass to little Jordan Humphrey uh, with 36 seconds left in the third uh, that kind of put the thing out of reach. Um, that kind of put the nail in the coffin there. Uh, Shane Bouchelle proven to be a pretty good backup here. Uh, the, the question now is going to be, is Sam Ellinger's shoulder going to be okay moving forward? Uh, I think uh, they're just kind of keeping an eye on it. They don't, seem, um, they don't seem to be worried about it, but anytime you're dealing with a shoulder, uh, there's a lot of possibilities uh, that could happen. So, um, thankfully, there was uh, no signs of a fracture uh, in the X-ray. Well, and fortunately for them, they get to close the season out with Kansas. Yeah, so, so I, I, if they need to... don't count out. Uh, well, also Kansas in that out, one. Kansas uh, also trolling uh, Texas hard. Uh, they're not allowing Bevo to come to the game, and all the Longhorn faithful are up in arms. Well, it'll it'll, it'll mess up their track. Exactly. Yeah, you, can't, you can't eat track. There's no grass to eat there. It's a problem. They're just looking out for the welfare of the animals, can't really what they're doing. <laughs> uh, other news, Kansas State walloped Texas Tech. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Coach GQ Hot Seat Watch has got to be back on. Turning back up again. Well, let's move on, though. Uh, let's talk about... I don't, I don't get to talk about the Cyclones. Hey, hey, Fine, you can talk about the Cyclones, Josh. Uh, you're probably... <laughs> hey, speaking of Kansas State, can I say one thing about Kansas State? I'm not going to stop you at this point. All right. Uh, they, did, they showed a graphic on College Game Day uh, about Bill Snyder and the possibility of him retiring. Um, and they put up his little resume, and it said he led them to their first conference title uh, since 1934... And being that we uh, have uh, plenty of age jokes for uh, Coach Snyder, um, I, I, my brain read it as uh, first conference title in 1934. <laughs> and you know what? Would not have been outside of the realm of possibility. And I didn't that in my I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Josh, Iowa State. Yeah, I, I agree with everything Coach said about the defense. I just wanted to, you know, 
just tap the brakes a little bit on Iowa State and celebrate them for what they are. I know they're not probably going to get the job done now with three conference losses, but in Campbell's first season, just three and nine, two conference wins. Exploded last year, five and four in conference, eight wins overall, and won a bowl game. Uh, they've already matched their five conference wins. They have a great chance to exceed that next week against Kansas State, and then they have a remade game. Uh, week one was canceled against Incarnate World, so they have a really good chance of matching eight wins before even the bowl game. So the progress is still there. They're still young. They're still improving on the recruiting classes. So hell of a job Matt Campbell's done. It fell a little bit short on a rough day in Austin, but that happens. Yeah, uh, that's tough. And, you know, we've said this before, but I really hope that Matt Campbell stays at Iowa State for a while. He makes a ton of money. He'd be, he would be tough to pry out. You he's got at a big buyout too, right? Yeah. Um, you look at some of the jobs that are out there potentially or out there currently, and I just don't see one that can match what Iowa State's willing to pay. And I think uh, there's only one for me that comes to mind. Yeah. USC. USC. See, here, here's the... He wouldn't have to change any of his wardrobe. They have the exact same colors. That's very true. The thing I, I kind of get this feeling about Campbell is um, he's got a lot of ties to the state of Ohio. I think he is just going to hang out at Iowa State until the Buckeyes come calling whenever that is. I, I don't hate that line of thinking. Um, well, let's move on to the American Conference. Uh, big, big game of the week. Uh, College Game Day was in Orlando for UCF hosting Cincinnati. And uh, the, uh, the Golden Knights just put on a clinic, Coach. Uh, you and I were uh, talking about this one. And, uh, you know, all, both offensively and defensively, uh, Central Florida looks like one of the best teams in the country. They really do. I mean, it. <laughs> I was amazed uh, watching this game going, I mean, surely at some point they have to make a mistake, right? And no, they they don't. They, and they, they don't. Mackenzie Milton is as good, as good a college quarterback as there is outside of Tua. And I feel like every time they do something, you're seeing it for the first time. Like they wow, they don't just beat you; they wow you every single time. It's like, what? It's, I, I didn't think you could get more creative, and Mackenzie Milton gets more creative, and, and it's it's outstanding. And, and I think part of what that is is the fact that they've had, you know, they, they had a couple of years of Scott Frost and sort of had that offensive system put in place. But then when they bring in the new coach who has a similar scheme, but has different wrinkles to it. I, I think those, uh, I think they sort of naturally melded to meld together, if that makes any sense yeah. um, in order to, uh, you know, create, you know, new possibilities literally on offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and what's crazy is that, in the first quarter, watching the first quarter, you you started to kind of get a little glimmer of hope for Cincinnati. They had a 
They had a strip sack for a touchdown, and uh, they had another couple sacks on Milton early. And then it seemed like the wheels fell off, and they got a kick blocked, and the 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 kick the kick getting blocked and the kicker getting posterized was kind of the turning point of this game, honestly. But um, it was just I, I'm amazed. I, I really am amazed. And I'm not one of those that's going to be like, oh, they're national champions, they were undefeated, but they really are the best team in the country. I mean, it's it's unreal. Yeah, uh, Josh, I know you were very impressed by the Central Florida defense. Oh, I mean, how can you not be? Cincinnati came in with a really underrated offense. They've been scoring a lot, putting up a ton of yards, and I think people were going, oh, Central Florida, their defense is – not championship worthy. Oh, Bearcats are going to be able to score all over this team. Uh, yeah, 13 points. I mean, three takeaways. It was, it was a clinic. You said it. And I will be one of those people that says UCF is a national champion. I have them second in my poll right now. I had them number one in my poll uh, at the end of last season because Alabama didn't even win their division. They had no right playing in that pretend tournament. And let's be honest, they were awarded a national title by a service that does it. And Alabama claims titles that just one random service gives them the crown. LSU claims the same title as Iowa in 1958. Well, guess what? LSU got blowed out in their bowl game. And Iowa absolutely humiliated their opponent in the Rose Bowl. So nice technicality that the AP poll had a split title when the AP doesn't didn't consider bowl games back then. And then every other service that went after the bowl game had LSU, like, not even the top five. I mean, like, teams claim all sorts of bogus titles. UCF has one of the least bogus, bogus titles ever claimed because the service gave it to them. They were the only undefeated team a year ago. They are incredible. I've got the number two in my poll this year. Notre Dame needs to be in the playoffs. Central Florida needs to be in the playoffs. But because we have a crappy four-team tournament, it ain't going to happen. The SEC runner-up, they're going to be left out. A decent Pac-12 champ, potentially great Pac-12 champ if Washington State takes care of business. Probably going to be left out. Um, the ACC is absolute hot garbage outside of Clemson, but because it's Clemson and they beat Alabama once a couple of years ago, hell, let's keep put them in the tournament, get a rematch. Even though Alabama will probably beat them forty-five nothing again, who cares? It's whatever this old ass committee wants. Yay! Pointless regular season. Clemson's pretty nasty this year. I'll, I'll give Clemson credit. <laughs> they, they they have a weak schedule and. Well, they're demolishing everybody pretty much. Uh, and, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, it's just it's hard for me to at, at times reconcile that Clemson with the team I saw play against Texas A&M and Syracuse. You know? And, and, and I mean, I guess that on a personal level, those are the two games I watched the most. So, of yeah, course. Yeah, they were, you know, early on with the Texas A&M game, they were still trying to figure out what they were going to do at quarterback. They, they had a lot of issues, but they've they've kind of – what I've seen out of Clemson is they've kind of gelled and seemed like they've fixed a lot of those issues. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I think they're 
especially offensively, they're they're as tough as anybody. All right. Well, uh, finally, let's get to the uh, Mountain West game between Fresno State and San Diego State. Fresno State ends up uh, taking care of this one. Josh, what stood out to you? Ooh, well, I know it's Fresno State's spotlight, and we should probably be talking about them taking another step forward to winning the division for a second straight year. But San Diego State, man, they just cannot run the ball. That's Rocky Long's bread and butter, and they are getting nothing out of that. 64 yards, 27 carries. Fresno State's defense played really, really well, but this has been a bugaboo all season. That SDSU patented running attack just can't get anything going. It's it, Players have been nicked up. The offensive line has had struggles. It's it, it, it's just tanking a good San Diego State team. But hats off to Fresno for uh, defending the home turf. Your biggest opponent in your division comes in weak. They didn't look past them. They kept the foot on the throat of San Diego State, won that game, uh, not handily, but pretty impressive with a second-half shutout. Fresno State's looking really good. Very, very impressive bounce back from Fresno's first conference loss a week ago to Boise State. Yeah, Coach, uh, that was a nice bounce back, like Josh said. Uh, And I thought Marcus McMarion looked pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, there was a there's a drive in particular uh, to open the second half uh, in which he hit Keyshawn Johnson uh, and he gave him the damn ball for a 32 yard gain. Um, he set up a Rivers touchdown that capped the, the drive. And there's this whole big, long paragraph. And then uh, after the paragraph, the next sentence is the Aztecs offense didn't cross midfield the rest of the way. So um, he had a really good. Uh, I thought he had a really good game. Uh, unfortunately, he thought it ended uh, with, you know, 11 minutes to go in this third quarter. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't finish the game. But, um, you know, he, he was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm cool. We don't need to cross midfield again. We're, we're, we're good. And they weren't good. So uh, hats off to Fresno for um, – you know, taking control of this division. Uh, Tedford is doing a tremendous job there. Um, if I'm Jeff Tedford, they're probably building a statue of me. So I don't know that that, that I really want to leave that scenario. So um, he looks like he's having fun. Looks like this Fresno State team is just hitting on all cylinders. And, it you know, this would be the second year they've in a row that they've won uh, the division uh, four times in the last six seasons. Um, so they, they've, they've really got it rolling. And, uh, you know, anytime Fresno State is good, that means you have great group of five football out west, which is uh, sneakily underrated for those of us here in the in the east, uh, eastern part of the United States, and especially the southeastern part of the United States, where we are spoiled with SEC football. We, uh, uh, honestly speaking, um, Mountain West and Pac-12 after dark, uh, a lot of times I am – uh, asleep, and I'll be honest with you, I uh, I missed most of Gardner Minshew's seven touchdowns uh, because I had to check the back of my eyelids for holes. I ate too much buffalo chicken dip and went into a buffalo chicken dip coma. Matt, you know the uh, you know how that goes, but it's one of the most um, wonderful feelings in the world. 
So, uh, rant over, Fresno State, great job, Aztecs, um, maybe better luck next year. All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for us here tonight, Josh. Any final words? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We buried the lead, you guys. Wise. Did yes. really? Yeah, so... I did, I, no, no, I did an SEC roundup. I, did I? Yeah. Well, you didn't spotlight the most important game. Oh. Arkansas hits the road to Stark Vegas. Always a nasty road environment. The bells are ringing. Uh, there's usually a traffic jam in that sprawling metropolis. It's tough to win there. Uh, it, it is really the New York City of Mississippi. And Arkansas just dealing with all that stuff. They, they get punched early. They get down 17 nothing, but they rally back. They score six unanswered points. They've made it a game. It's a two-possession game. Uh, but like usually happens in moral victories, uh, it, it just couldn't quite happen for Arkansas. Down 17-6, to six, uh, they proceeded to give up a few points, uh, ended up losing 52-6. to six. Um, they, they got outgained by a little bit, 475 to 219. Uh, so a few things to clean up there. One interesting note, Arkansas had four players uh, attempt to pass in this game, and the guy that went one of three for five yards ended up with the second-best QBR on the day. So uh, that, that's also something I might try and clean up if I'm Arkansas as I try and uh, springboard off this impressive 9-2, and two, seven. Oh, excuse me, I flipped those numbers, 2-9, and nine, Oh, and seven a uh, season into 2019. I, I might try and clean those things up. Coach, any words from you? Um, after that thing of beauty, no. All right. Well, then, on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook, up there in Iowa Chicago. Iowa basketball is ranked. So it's Wisconsin. This is the professor <laughs> in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Don't be like the University of Cumberland's and lose on a tackle screen to your left tackle in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.